Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses and workshops for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you're selling on a regional basis at farmers markets or just online, and you'd like to expand your retail distribution, you should look into the courses and webinars from Kitchen to Shelf. Want to learn more about distributors, co-packers? Kitchen to Shelf can help you learn what you need to know to grow. More details at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. This is Steve Clear, and I'm very excited to have with me as my guest today, Keith Belling. A proven entrepreneur and innovator, Keith is the founder and CEO of Right Rice, the breakthrough vegetable rice grain that launched nationally one year ago with Whole Foods and on Amazon, and is now available in all Kroger banners nationwide and at other leading retailers. Keith is also the founder and former CEO of Pop Chips, the innovative pop snack company that launched in 2007 and was named one of America's hottest brands by Advertising Age. Keith is on the board of directors of Restoration Hardware and has launched and led a variety of businesses, including allbusiness.com, as well as serving as an advisor or an investor in a variety of innovative consumer and technology companies. Welcome to the podcast, Keith. Hello, uh, good afternoon, and thanks for having me. It's really, really great to have you here. I wanted to start off actually by by getting a little bit more on on your background. We have the bio thing here, but you you made a move somewhere along the line from uh, the study of the law to food companies. How did that transition take place? Well, um, first of all, I never really planned to be a lawyer. I was <laughs> one of those people many years ago. I'm not going to date myself, but many years ago that went to law school for an education. And my original plan was to go into real estate, real estate development. And ultimately, to do that, I wanted to get a little bit of experience practicing law. And then I, I was going to real estate. And I, I had a client who had a, you know, a bunch of real estate holdings at the middle of all that. He owned some coffee bars. And this was, at the time, a very innovative kind of new business. And the next thing I knew, I quit the firm. I abandoned my real estate uh, plan. And I took over, you know, sort of you know, building what was then one of the early, you know, coffee bar concepts in San Francisco. Ah, okay. And once I got it, and, and once I got a taste of being an entrepreneur, there was no turning back. <laughs> and, and you didn't know that, you know, having knowledge of the law, was that going to help you so much in being an entrepreneur? That, that really is true. I mean, it's, look, wh- what I got out of law school was not so much about the practice of law, but more probably a way of thinking and approaching, you know, problems and situations and, and, you know, you know, and kind of the way you just approach everything you do, including business. And I have found it to be really helpful, um, surprisingly so. And, and especially on, on the analytical side, um, how, how about, let's talk about right rice and the concept and, you know, the on-trend product, it's, it's been on fire for a year. Um, what was the, what was the genesis of right rice? Every entrepreneur has a different path for starting their businesses, and it's probably really fun for you to talk to folks and hear the different stories. You know, in my case, most of the ideas I pursued have really come from solving a personal problem. So, you know, both Pop Chips and Right Rice came from what I love to eat. You know, and just as with Pop Chips, where, you know, I really started the company because I was looking for a healthier snack and was eating too many Doritos. You yeah. know, I started Right Rice because I found myself cutting back on rice. Um, it was all the empty calories and the carbs. 
And, um, you know, and it was something that, you know, once I started thinking about it and saw that I was, you know, not eating as much and talked to folks, I found that, you know, that was a pretty, pretty similar sentiment among people. And so in both cases, whether it was pop chips or right rice, you know, that personal need kind of inspired me to, you know, think really deeply about what was missing in the market and, and the opportunity that existed. And, and especially with, of course, you know, paleo and of course keto now and whatever, there are people who are, are, are missing their rice a little bit. For sure. I mean, look, rice is a 2 to $3 billion category. It's probably one of the most beloved foods in the world. Um, it, it's across every culture and cuisine. So it really is, it really is something. And again, when I start talking to people, I hear them say, you know, kind of one of three things. It's like either I've really, you know, cut out eating rice entirely you know, which is unfortunate, um, or, or I've cut way back. And again, in either case, it was largely because of the, you know, the empty calories and carbs. Or the third comment that I'd often hear was people who said, you know, oh gosh, I, you know, I love rice. My kids love it. I give it to them all the time. I just wish that I, there was a more nutritious option because kids just love it. And and for those who may not be familiar with right rice, and obviously you can find a lot of details at www.rightrice.com. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how right rice differs from rice rice? Sure, sure. Um, so, so first of all, you know, when I had the idea that the notion was to come up with something that was more nutritious, um, it had the, you know, table stakes are when it comes to healthy food, it's got to taste good. That was the case with pop chips and certainly the case with right rice. So as I said, that's sort of table stakes. And so the question was, how would, how could we create, a, you know, a much more nutritious rice that, that tastes great still? And it's really easy to cook. And so what I really went after, and, and, and by the way, I, I really wasn't a cauliflower rice fan. I know there's a <laughs> lot of people who eat it. Although, although to be honest, most people who even admit to eating it, or many of them, will say that it's kind of by default. It reminds me of the comment people used to make to baked potato chips. It was like, okay, I eat it because it's the best <laughs> thing out there. I wish there was something better. Better, right. And and that's what cauliflower rice is. It's just, you know, it doesn't really have the consistency and texture of rice, but it sort of fills a void. And so I, I really didn't feel like that was the answer. I really wanted something that really tasted much more like rice and performed like rice. And in particular, to me, that's what makes rice special. And the reason it really appeals across cultures and cuisines is it's like a chameleon. It just takes on the fl whatever flavors and sauces you put on it. And it's really one of those unique products that does that. So I, I, I kind of had the goals. I knew what I wanted for nutrition and kind of as a profile, you know, get rid of the empty calories and the carbs. Right. And so I, what we, and I wanted something that was shelf stable. So ah, yeah, as I started, as I started approaching that, um, I, I, I started blending together a variety of different vegetables and doing that into a hard grain. So if you held it in your hand, it would, you would think it was a grain of rice. And we ended up coming with a way to blend um, lentils and chickpeas and green peas. So about what we say, 90% nutritious vegetables into this grain with about 10% rice flour. And, and that blend, and obviously it took a lot of back and forth to get the right mix, but that blend got us what I was looking for. It got me something that, you know, hopefully you can try it. It you know, has this great taste and texture and a lot of people you know, love that. And it comes flavored and plain. Um, but from a nutritional standpoint, you know, it's got, you know, more than two times the protein. It's got about five times the fiber. It's about 40% less net carbs. And it's not just that it has less, less carbs or fewer carbs. It, it's got the right carbs. It's got really kind of good carbs that if people do want carbs, but obviously a lot less, a much lower glycemic index. And so, you know, we sort of hit on the nutritional side. Right, right. 
check and all then, the boxes. And then the other, you check those boxes. And the yeah. other one, um, you know, is it, um, it, it's really quick and easy to cook. So, you know, we say it's about 10 minutes. And if you can boil water, you can make right rice. It's really super simple. And again, it's, it's those things. Today's world, you know, usually when you're trying to have something quick and convenient, you're going to have to sacrifice taste or nutrition. And, you know, we like to think that we check all three boxes and you're going to have something that's tasty and nutritious and, and quick and easy to make. So uh, a lot of science involved in, in that as well. Um, let me go back, Keith, to pop chip days. So when you started, you, you did right rice, you had the advantage of already having done pop chips. When you started pop chips, what were the challenges? How did you just start it in your kitchen? Did you have a friend who was in the food business? How'd that work? So, well, first of all, the, the benefit I had with pop chips, and I actually still think with right rice, is, is not knowing what, what I don't know or what we don't know. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you know, when you're doing something like this, people have been doing it for years. People have been making potato chips and, you know, for, for years and years, of course, and same with rice. And, and I really, in each case, go after it go after it in a really fresh way and a fresh perspective. So in the case of pop chips, look, my, my original thesis was let's find a healthy snack. Um, the, the challenge was, you know, people like Frito had, you know, had spent, you know, an incredible amount of money and research to come up with a healthy fried chip or a good tasting baked chip. And if they couldn't do it, I certainly wasn't going to. So the one thing that I knew is that we had to come up with a new paradigm. We had to have a, come up with a new way to sort of have a, you know, a chip that was going to be, you know, good tasting and also better for you. And, and again, in those days, it was about fat and calories, much less about protein and fiber like it is now. Right. So, um, you know, when I, when we went out to the market and we started looking at it, I brought in a great partner, somebody who had worked with me at, um, an internet company I started a few years before. And, uh, and he joined me and we started looking around and, you know, we went down the snack aisle. It was the best kind of research because we were trying lots of snacks. And uh, ultimately, we stumbled upon a uh, rice cake manufacturing business and um, went in, spent some time on it, and the light bulb went off the first time I visited the plant where I said to myself, gosh, they're popping you know, these, these pellets um, into something that looks like, you know, that turns into a rice cake. Right. And we realized that there was the ability to, to, to do that and turn it into a chip. And what was interesting about it at the time, they actually called it puffed. I mean, when I went into the plant and they were showing me how it went and, the, and they're called popping heads or puffing heads. And when I looked around and I saw it and I listened to it, I walked out and I said, no, no, they're popping these things into rice cakes. And, it's, and popping is such an evocative term that, again, when I said I needed a new paradigm, we realized, you know, pop was kind of it because it gave us a chance to right. tell a story about a process that used virtually no oil. Um, so it gave you really low fat and calories. And, you know, at the same time, created a product that tasted really good. Is that, and, and that's, we were walking the, the, uh, the food shows, right? There's, they sometimes have those guys there and they're popping the rice things right in front of you and they make a big noise. They scare everybody to death and then they hand them out so you can like eat them. You know, it's a lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, no oil in the process though, or, or very little oil. Is that the, yeah, really, really no oil in the popping process. It's like right. air pops popcorn, and you only had to you get to target a little bit of oil 
into actually seasoning the chip. And that was the advantage because a typical potato chip is about one third oil. It's a little bit scary to think right, of. Right. And if you think about the amount of oil you consume with potato chips, it's an awful lot. And so, you know, ours was, I think, about 10% oil. And it was really just used in the seasoning process to adhere to the seasoning because you need a little bit of oil. But, you know, it, you know, way less oil. So, you, again, it's sort of something that was much lower fat calories. I always like pop chips because I could eat more of them. So that was exactly <laughs> important. Light, um, light and airy. So, so, so you guys have at least a, a process and, and, and trying out a product. So what was next? What did you do? Now you're talking about the case of pop chips or right rice? Yeah, and pop chips. So, so you know, look. Once once I saw this and saw the plant, we you know pretty quickly bought the business, and um, and it was nice because you know, look, one of the hardest things when you're a startup or trying to build a business is having a plant, and in most cases, you, you just can't have a plant. You can't try and manufacture yourself because you're going to have a completely underutilized facility as you're trying to figure out how to scale. Right. And in this case, the advantage is we bought a private label manufacturing business out of a very you know small but stable business but something that enabled us to buy a plant that was modestly profitable, or I should say we could turn it into being modestly profitable. And then we could leverage that facility to, to take us from a private label rice cake business into a branded uh, potato chip business. And so we bought it. Um, my partner, Pat, did a great job. He was in charge of the manufacturing side of the business. Yeah. And I always say, worst thing you want to do is put me in charge of manufacturing. Um, <laughs> so he did a great job building that while I was out really kind of crafting the product, developing the concept, um, you know, and, and building the brand around what was going to become pop chips. And you went into a category, obviously dominated by Frito-Lay and other large players. Um, who, who did you get to believe in you and how did you get your initial distribution? So look, in the case of pop chips, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy to think about what Frito-Lay's market share is. I am, um, I think at the time they had an 85 market share. So to put that in perspective, I don't know what it is now, but each of Coke yeah. and Pepsi, as big as they are, have like a 30 or 35 share. So it puts Frito into perspective. Um, so, so we actually start thinking about, you know, I'm a big believer in sort of flagship retail partners and finding the right partner to go out to market. And I always have thought that way. So we went out and in the case of Pop Chips to Safeway, we had uh, a good relationship with them and they were obviously a great Northern California retailer. Yeah. And we went to them and presented the, the brand and the concept and the product, what we wanted to do. And they got very excited about it. And we immediately put a plan together to launch, which would have been um, around uh, May of 2007, as I recall. And, uh, and look, the biggest discussion was they wanted us to go national. And, and I was scared to death of that. I, I thought, oh, God, Ooh. you know, we can't start with, you know, a couple thousand stores across the country. We didn't right. have anything yet. So we ended up settling on, um, I wanted to do just California and then roll out and we ended up settling on the Western U.S. You know, um, I think it was 12 or 1500 stores or something. But they were, you know, it was a great partnership and it was a great way to get the, the buzz of our brand out there. And uh, and start to take pop chips out to the market. Were they were they kind to you in regards to slotting and promotion, or did you have to pony up? Yeah, yeah. You know, slotting. Look, you know, I know things have evolved, but slotting was not at all an issue. I think in 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 that era, particularly, you know, the bigger retailers were happy to bring on brands like that um, without slotting. 
And and I think that was that was an easy trade off when you were giving somebody an exclusive and launching with them. It was it right. really never came up as a discussion. But even most of our retail partners that we launched with, um, even after that, we didn't have to pay slotting for years just because again we had this kind of new innovative product and they knew our the economics would have been challenging. So at that time they you know there's really we just really didn't have any issues with paying slotting for quite a few years. And and then the growth of pop chips obviously went went very well and whatever the the I, I guess the, the the story behind you again identifying a personal need and saying somebody's going to maybe want this on the right rice side. How, how did it differ with the experience that you'd already had in 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 pop chips? Well, I think the first thing is I probably had a little bit even more confidence in my conviction. So, you know, I'm not a focus group person. We never did focus groups to decide if the pop chips concept made sense. Um, and, and same with right rice. I mean, it was something that, you know, I mean, obviously I talked to people and sort of socialized the idea with a number of folks um, to make sure I wasn't completely crazy. But, but, but I think that the main thing was just having confidence and conviction in, in, in what I thought could work. And, you know, and just leaned in. I mean, there was a, I, once I had the spark of the idea on how to do it, you know, it was literally a matter of, you know, maybe a week or 10 days before I was in a conversation with uh, the group that became our manufacturing, you know, co-packer, you know, talking about, you know, getting the product out to the market and building it. And, you know, in large part, I had a fantastic guy who had been my head of R&D at Pop Chips. And uh, I... he was still at Pop Chips when I had this idea. And I went to him and I said, look, you know, never trying to take you away from pop chips, but I have this idea, you know, you know, he just loved it and it was something he could be really helpful with. And, you know, he kind of helped me really, you know, de- you know, really develop the product and work with our manufacturing partner. And, you know, we, we launched, as you said, in, um, you know, February last year. So February, 2019, we launched, uh, across Whole Foods and Amazon. And, uh, and rolled out obviously Kroger and other places since. So, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we look. The great thing is we've had a really terrific response from retail from retailers. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the void that you know in the center of the store, and particularly the rice aisle. There, there hasn't been any innovation really forever. You know, the closest thing is cauliflower rice, which again, I you know, great product. I love cauliflower as a vegetable. I just don't think yeah. it's a rice substitute. <laughs> and uh, and so you know, look, pe- people have been very excited about the innovation and, and that there's something that's, you know, really is different. And, you know, the word innovate, as you know, is, is so overly overused. Um, but we had something that was really different, but we've, we've had a great response from retailers. I mean, we'll finish our first, you know, 12 months and be in probably almost 5,000 doors. Um, wow. so, yeah. you know, got a, got, a, yeah, got a lot of scale. So whole foods, you know, the Kroger banners, you know, Fred Meyer, QFC, King super, obviously Kroger, Ralph's and, um, you know, and then Sprouts, we had a terrific launch with last September, and then Wegmans, and, you know, we're continuing to grow sort of, you know, the distribution, but again, have, have a lot to do. So, I, as I like to say, the blessing is the center of the store, the rice aisle, there's not been a lot of innovation. Of course, the curse and the challenge is it's a slower part of the store and a little more challenging. I know you know a lot about, you know, sort of shopper marketing and trade spend. So it's yep. definitely an area that needs, uh, that, that we need to work on since we've got, you know, a, a really nice sort of start to distribution. It's there's, there's, yeah, there's positives and negatives, right? Because if you go into a category that's kind of sleepy, um, <clears throat> right. And you know, the sales are all planned a year in advance and we know when we're going to do, we, you know, we know when rice is going to do theirs and then, you know, farmhouse is going to do theirs. 
uh, you can come in and, and shake it up a little bit. Did you have a pilot retailer for right rice as well, or did you go broader on that originally? No, that was that was Whole Foods. Um, Whole Foods, we, okay. Yeah. You know, we got we got really fortunate. You know, we presented to Whole Foods early on and had a terrific buyer, a you know global you know category buyer named Christina Pearson, and she got it and you know you know loved the product, and so we decided to lean into it together. And you know what we did that was a little bit different though. We launched um, both with Whole Foods and Amazon. And it was really interesting because at that time, no one had, had, had really launched a product in collaboration with Whole Foods and Amazon. It, it, uh-huh. you know, even though Amazon yes. had acquired Whole Foods, we were really one of the first. And we had, you know, the Amazon team actually flew out to Austin to meet with us and the Whole Foods team to talk about how we can collaborate around the launch. And it was, it was really fun to see that come together because it was something, again, no one had done. So that was our partner and Whole Foods, you know, just been great. And how is how is Amazon performing? Amazon's doing very well. You know, it's a, it's it's a it's a you know it's an incredible e-commerce platform. And you know, we did not want to do the traditional direct to consumer and build a business around that. We wanted to find a way to work with Amazon and leverage their platform. And you know, so far it's it's, it's been it's been terrific. Yeah, it it can be uh, it can be a lot of fun. One of you know from a little of the old school of having to deal with. You know, looking at trade spending or pricing velocities and all of that is—it's so nice to be able to go to a Whole Foods platform or to the Amazon platform, excuse me, and look at my advertising spend for last week and my movement and go, "Oh, there's a direct correlation here." Wait a minute, I don't—I don't have to—I don't have to guess about this or you know, wait 16 weeks to get the information. It's like I can do this today. This is amazing. Keith, yeah, yeah. You mentioned um, you mentioned the uh, the the way that the product is made. Is there a proprietary thing in getting the vegetables into a kernel that hard or whatever? Is it is it something that requires a little magic? Um, I say complicated, a little bit of magic. Yes, unfortunately, it's not a purely proprietary. There's no real IP around it per se. Yeah. But again, very complicated, and there aren't a lot of people who can make it. But you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a process that I had had some familiarity with. And had realized that I could take these, you know, sort of as I say, nutritious vegetables, and 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 you know, pack them into a, a grain of rice. Well, you know, it's it's funny because if you um, when you look at stories from entrepreneurs, people who've had successful businesses, you know, you'd think once would be enough. So right, but no, you you need to to do twice, and you get two winners. So what what's next? Can you give us a hint? <laughs> well, we're a long ways from, from two winners. I mean, you know, look, we d- definitely built Pop Chips into a, you know, I, what I'd like to think is an iconic brand and, you know, you know, just, you know, brand a lot of people love. So, so that's, you know, I, I sort of count that as one, but we're still just 11 months in with Right Rice. We have a, we have a long ways to go. Um, but look, but what we want to create with Right Rice is, you know, a brand platform in the rice category. We're not trying to be all things to all people. Right. You know, there's some terrific brands out there that have created platforms across a variety of food groups. And people keep asking me if we're going to make pasta, for example. We have, you know, no interest in making pasta. We want to really be in the rice aisle. And so my plan, as I think I'd mentioned to you at the beginning, was, you know, launch Right Rice, the core product, get it out in a variety of flavors and, you know, start, start to build the story around it and then craft and develop a second product that we would launch, which we call right rice medley, which we just launched, um, just, uh, the, 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 the middle part of January. And the idea was, you know, a very complimentary product that sort of built on right rice 
and let us hopefully try and, you know, position ourselves as really, you know, the leader in this sort of reinvention of the rice aisle. And they're very complimentary products. I, you know, I, I grew up, you know, like everybody else eating lots of rice aroni and products like that and rice pilafs. And we like to think this is kind of a next generation of, of some of those iconic brands and products. And, you know, that we think we've, you know, we've got something that so far people really like. And, and in this case, it's a product that is a blend instead of, you know, rice and pasta, for example, it's a blend of right rice along with ancient grains, including quinoa and sorghum and, um, and then different vegetables for different products. So there's a harvest pilaf, which is that blend of right rice and quinoa and sorghum along with carrots and, um, and, and pumpkin seeds. And it's really great. And, and then we have one that's got different vegetables and it's fried rice and a third version that's, you know, you know, you know, called Cajun spice and you can imagine what's in it. Yes. So we're, we're really excited. We just launched that. And, you know, and as I said, we, did the same thing with Whole Foods. They were happy enough with what we did um, with the right rice launch that they, you know, cut us into the shelf off cycle with, you know, so we're doubling our presence in all their stores. So we're really excited about it. Oh, that's a, That's going to be great. And is uh, the medley also on Amazon as well? So, yes. So we, so we did the same thing. We launched with uh, Whole Foods Whole and Amazon. Amazon together. That works out great. Absolutely great. Um, yeah. It, it, one of the things with the product, you know, that I think you just have nailed is the fact that there is still that huge segment of population that is looking not necessarily for a hundred percent organic, a hundred percent whatever, but they want better, right? Better for them, better for their family. And you can supply all that plus being a little bit more friendly to some of them diet things, which are, you know, keto or whatever, which are harder to attack because the people cut across all our normal demographics, right? Where we we, kind of know what a mom with two kids who's educated and whatever is looking for, for food. But with keto, we really don't know. There's, you know, you know, guys out there driving trucks on the keto diet. So it's like, wow, this is different. Um, And and it's great to have a product that can fit both of those, um, both of those populations. Um, Yeah, no, absolutely right. And by the way, one of my favorite things is the moms who are telling us, you know, Medley just got out. So haven't heard this about Medley, but with Right Rice, you know, how many moms have gotten back to us and said, oh, my God, you know, my kids just love it. You know, they think they're eating rice. They just, you know, they're loving the taste and texture, but I'm happy because they're getting more veggies in their diet and they're getting some protein and fiber and, you know, you're not eating a bunch of empty calories and carbs. Did you get any pushback, Keith, on um, using black as a color on the packaging, because that was always a big no-no in the industry. So again, this is one of those things, you know, not knowing what you don't know. Um, we <laughs> hired a look. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, first of all, I'm a big believer in, you know, in, in branding and graphic design. When we did Pop Chips, I interviewed 25 design firms before I hired a firm called Turner Duckworth, who did some just incredible work for us on the packaging. Yeah. And, and and when we did Right Rice. Um, you know, I, I, there were only two firms I went to and, you know, one of them was local here in San Francisco called IDO, who I, who I worked with before and just, you know, thought they were fantastic and they were excited about working on this with us. And, you know, we, when we went through the explorations, which was a really incredible process with them, they're, they're just so thoughtful and organized. And when, when we went through the process, I mean, we looked at a variety of colors and, you know, there's just, you know, just real, you know, you know, alignment around black. Um, it was differentiated, um, 
you know, if, if you look at our packaging, we spend a lot of time thinking about simplicity as one of my friends calls it radical simplicity. It's the easiest thing in the world, as you know, is to put lots of things on your package and lots oh, yeah. of messaging. You could just fill up that space with everything. And, you know, we ultimately did the reverse. We, we, we went down to the, what we really thought we had to put on and to keep it really clean and simple. And that, that black background, you know, just gave us a really nice, simple canvas. Um, the response so far has been great. I mean, we haven't had any pushback from, from really anyone yet. And then as you'll see the medley, it's very complimentary. We, we actually kind of have two brand colors, the black and a marigold. And we took basically the same packaging that IDEO developed and we did a marigold version that let us do, you know, right rice medley and, and, and right rice. And they'll, you know, hopefully sit next to each other on the shelf and, you know, create a, you know, a really inviting brand block that, you know, like, as I said, we've doubled our shelf presence with Whole Foods and, you know, we, we hope that's going to be a way that we start to really build a brand. That, yeah, that really worked. Yeah. The re- the reverse color thing was, it's great. And that, that, that does do something because you need to have shelf presence to get, you know, people to look beyond all the massive numbers of rice aronis and stuff that are on the, on the shelf and, and uh, near East and some of the other players. Um, the reactions from other retailers and stuff, Keith, in terms of are you are you helping to bring maybe people back into the to the rice aisle that maybe are either just you know buy white rice or just stopped buying other mixes and stuff because they just weren't all that good or good for you? You know, anecdotally, definitely. I mean, we don't really have enough data yet to start talking about, you know, shopping patterns and, and shoppers and, 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 you know, lapsed rice eaters and whatnot. But, but I know that, you know, just the response we've gotten, you know, whether it's by email or social media, um, just people reaching out to us, letting us know that they're excited they can eat rice again, or there's finally a rice alternative they want to eat. Um, you know, they've struggled between cauliflower rice or, or, or quinoa and, and, and other, and other grains, but really wanted a rice substitute. And so I, you know, it, it, I mean, it feels to us like we're getting, we're, we're, we're going in that direction. And I think that's going to continue to accelerate that. And, and yeah, and that's, that's just a, the way you want it to go. Um, what about in terms of, of challenges, I guess maybe different challenges between pop chips and right rice. Did you have something that you, you know, you thought maybe it would be clear sailing with right rice because it was with pop chips or vice versa and it didn't turn out that way? You know, I, I look again, great learning experience in each case, but the snack aisle is so different from, um, you know, from the rice aisle, right? I mean, just, you know, both sort of generally considered center of the store. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I look, at, look, I, I think uh, in some ways um, the category has been more inviting, as I said earlier, uh, than the snack category just in terms of retailer reception. And, um, but the flip side is, you know, you have a heavily trafficked part of the store, the snack aisle and, and much less so in, in the rice aisle. So, you know, that's probably been the, the biggest difference is we're, you know, getting our arms around that and understanding how to, you know, really build a business in a, in a, in a different part of the store. I always liked the analysis of how long people spend making a decision in each of the categories, each of the sections. You know, and you know what what they'll spend time doing versus what they just go over and grab off the shelf and 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 run. You know, and I I think I don't know what what king was, but I think the king of all sections was cough and cold. That that people would spend a minute and thirty seconds making a purchase, and it would, that was like forever compared to anything else. That, 
that is forever. I mean, just imagine standing in a store for a minute and 30 yeah. seconds looking at something. And it, but it does make sense. It does well, make sense for, for, for something like that. I think it was also so confusing because you can buy anything in a four-hour, eight-hour, 12, or 24-hour, right? You can buy it in a four-pack, 12-pack, eight-pack. It's all the same stuff. It's, you know, same, you know, and then there's two or three brands of the same stuff and people just get, you know, totally confused and working out. And is it, wait, is it, is it supposed to be there to keep you awake or put you to sleep? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You, you got to look out for, for all that stuff. Um, any Anything with, um, you know, looking at basically, because uh, I know you've done some stuff before, but what about marketing and stuff with celebrity tie-ins and, you know, people who are interested in the product or approach you or whatever, anything in that area? You know, they, they've really built on each other for me. I mean, you know, obviously Pop Chips was the first business or brand like that I built. And, you know, we got really lucky to have some great, you know, I call them celebrity investors and partners. Um, so I so I had that experience when we went to Right Rice. Yeah. And, you know, same same sort of thing. I mean, and look, I what, what I probably learned and, and seen is, is, first of all, the, the change today in social media and influencer marketing, which is just so important in the marketing side. And while it was relevant and reasonably important when we launched pop chips, you know, call it 10 years ago, it's nothing like it is today. Yes. Um, you know, we did a lot of field marketing. We spent a lot of money getting product into people's hands. You know, that was a lot of the focus. Um, I sort of laughed with social media when we launched pop chips, Larry King and Ashton Kutcher were having a contest who would get to a million Twitter followers first. And that was big news. Ugh. Instagram didn't exist. <laughs> Facebook didn't have an advertising platform when we launched and it had a, it existed, but there was no advertising. So very different from today. So the integration of social and influencers and how that works is just really impactful. And, and, and at the end of the day, that, that, creates an even greater value to these kinds of investors um, who, who, who could help in those areas. And, and look, we've been really lucky to have some good folks invest and support us. And, you know, whether it's, you know, a Chris Jenner or Carly Kloss, Ashley Graham, Diplo, um, Ryan Tedder and uh, Molly Sims. And we have, a, and even Jillian Michaels, I mean, a really wow. good group of people. Yeah. Wide what range. Makes them interesting. Yeah, wide range. But what makes them interesting is they're, if you think about it, they're all successful entrepreneurs. I mean, they've all built really compelling brands and businesses for themselves. And so I, I think I'm less about celebrity and more about people who really know how to build brands and businesses. And, you know, you know, so far, you know, it's, it's, again, it's only been 11 months. They, they've definitely been helpful, you know, in different ways as, as we've tried to start to, you know, build some awareness and visibility for the brand. Um. One of the things, Keith, I think too that is uh, interesting about that is is that there's um, a, a little bit more, if you will, I think today maybe m- mission based behind that, where you can share with someone who happens to be a celebrity, or whatever. It's not just oh, I want to use your music in my you know whatever. It's it's also hey, I'm concerned about what people are eating, um, you know that kind of thing. Where it's it's more of a, um, a synchronicity going forward in both mission and product as well, not just um, you know I want your music for my ads, you know. Yeah, I know people want to be aligned. I mean, values and, and missions are so much more important. And like, the important brands are important to entrepreneurs. And it's something, you know, that's always been important to me. That's for sure. Yeah, there was, I think, speculation a while ago that brands were going to go away. And uh, I think they're probably actually more important today than they were 20 years ago. So, you know. Yeah, um, I think that's right. Um, let me ask, we, we talked a little earlier about, um, we, we try to get once in a while a, a, a nice self-effacing 
story from uh, your your journey so far. Do you have a um, a nice funny story you can share with us on either of the products? Something you didn't sure, expect? sure. Um, yeah, I've sort of got one on each. I don't know, funny or, or just good anecdotes. But look, I mean, going back to pop chips, um, you know. I was in New York and, you know, was in my hotel room waiting to head to a meeting and I turned my TV on and I was watching the Today Show. And of course, on the West Coast, if you're working at all, you don't get to watch the Today Show because it's, you know, it's being filmed when you're supposed to be in the office working. But, you know, in New York, it's early in the day. And so I got to, to watch it and I turned the TV on and I'm sitting in my hotel room and, you know, we're still a very young brand. Had, uh, had had not launched much before, and I turned the TV on, and there's a picture of Jillian Michaels, who was probably, you know, just so prominent at that point with her, you know, Biggest Loser TV show. Right. So I knew her, of course. I didn't know her personally, but I do love her. And there she is on the TV, and and I right as I turn it, literally turn the TV on, there she is, and somebody's asking her a question and says, you know, how do they, you know, how how do, how do you eat healthier, and how do you stock your pantry with items to, you know, eat better and eat healthier, and 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 you know, Jillian Michael said, responds, you know, it's a picture of her on, t- she's on TV live. And she says, Oh, you know, you need to fill your cupboard with products like pop chips. And she shows a picture of the bag and says, you know, <laughs> eat that instead of a bag of Doritos. And I remember just sitting there like going, Oh, like, Oh my God, like, did, did that really just happen? And I just had turned the TV on. Yeah. And, um, and of course, after the show, I sent her a wonderful basket of product and said, thank you for that. That's incredible. I didn't even know they knew the brand existed and, you know, got a response back and quickly became friends with her and her business partner. And, uh, they became investors and very involved in the brand and it was really fun. And, you know, just, again, I just happened to turn the TV on and see it live. Yeah. So that's sort of pop chips. And then look, right, right. we're so new. Um, but you know, not long after we launched, maybe it was, uh, a couple of months, I was in a Whole Foods store and I'm waiting in line and, and uh, not really paying attention. And I see the person in front of me um, putting their groceries on that conveyor belt and the, the, the cashier is taking the stuff. And then, you know, lo and behold, that person's buying a bag of right rice and picks it up and looks at it and goes, oh, I haven't seen this. And he and the customer in front of me are start talking about it. And the customer's explaining why he liked it, was excited to try it. And and it just, the, the funniest thing is that cashier turns to me and says, like, just I'm saying, he looks at me and goes, hey, have you tried this or heard of this? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I'm sitting there just well, like, you know, you can't, like, things like this just don't happen. And of course, and by no. the way, that's the first and only time it has happened right. uh, with Right Rice. That's and, uh, and and it was hilarious. And, and, I, and like I stammered a response like, oh, yeah, I heard of it. I heard it's great. You know, I haven't tried it yet or something, but I certainly wasn't going to say, yeah, I'm, you know, that's, that's, that's you my product. You, you didn't have a VIP um, coupon but, but, you could pull out of your pocket and give to them? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know what? That actually would have been an even better response. That would have been great. But it was kind of fun just to see the exchange between the cashier and the uh, and the and, and the and the customer. Yeah, I it and it's fun when you see your products and stuff moving on, you know, or go in and see a display, and it's like, yeah, this is uh, this was my this was my idea. Um, so, Keith, our, our audience, you know, tends to be a little bit more to the you know startup a little more entrepreneurial bent and whatever and and you know you've been in the trenches now for a while um but uh, what kind of things do you think it's important for you know food and beverage even smaller cpg folks to to know that are out there trying to build their brands into a pop chips or right rice you know look that's a great question and um there's there's probably so many things that that i could say and share but at the end of the day i 
I, I think the single most important thing, especially as you're starting your first business, is, is surround yourself with a with a team of really smart people. You know, whether that's advisors, investors, and of course your employees and the you know the the, the people you bring in. You know, I, I always start with focusing on anytime I started any business and I still do it now, you know, putting together a great group of advisors, you know, that really bring a range of experience, whether it's around the core product or the category, or just somebody who has deep sales and marketing experience or manufacturing, but somebody who's who's done it before and you know, not just successfully. You know, I mean, you and I yeah, talk about that. Right. You learn as much from your failures yes. as you do your success. You bet. So, you know, get some people with diverse backgrounds. It should be a small group that you can reach out to for counsel and perspective. You know, it helps keep you grounded and, 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 and focused. And, you know, and, and the thing that's important about it is when I do this, and, and I'm actually an advisor to a handful of companies myself, I think it's really important that people have a stake in the business and whether that's they've invested capital or you're giving them stock options. Like, like I want somebody who really has a point of view and shares it with me and cares, not, not just somebody who's a friend who's got some experience and I can call them once in a while and they're going to grow up throw out some gratuitous advice. Right. So I like to make sure they're really engaged and involved and, you know, and, and, people that have a real point of view, like you, you don't want yes people. I, I always joke that if I wanted to put my mom and my sister and my niece on my board, <laughs> I would always be the smartest, you know, most fun person in the world because yep. they love me. Um, but, I, but I like to be surrounded with people with a real strong point of view that are going to share it, you know, you know, and they care that matters. And look, you may agree, you may not agree, but you're going to listen. And, and, I, and I think things like that really help you shape, you know, you know, better decision making and, 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 um, you know, build a more, more interesting business. So, so that's first and foremost is find, you know, get some people around you to help and, and, uh, and, and get them truly involved and engaged. And that, yeah. And that's great advice, Keith. I, I had um, a friend of mine, I worked with Greg, Keller from Frontera Foods was one of the first podcast guests we had. And Greg, you know, um, he said, you know, on that board of advisors, you want to have a person who's able to say no. Very yeah. important. No, no, this isn't going to work. No, this doesn't make economic sense, but who is not going to think they're going to be ostracized or somehow put out because that's their role. That's what they're there totally. for. You know, and exactly. But, you know, exactly. And, and, and again, probably, you get to make your... You're the ultimate decision maker, right? The, right. You know, it's your company. You want to listen to them. You want to be challenged, but you you get to be the decision maker. But don't so don't be afraid to hear no's and challenge what you're thinking, because um, more often than not, they're probably going to be right. There's going to be some reason for what they're saying. Yeah. And you need to be able to answer those questions. You know. Um. So one one last thing, Keith, I wanted to ask you because we didn't touch on it during the thing, and that is a little bit if you can talk about, um, how did you do the financing for the, the launches and, and, you know, how did that come together uh, um, fairly quickly? Did you go outside? What, how'd you do it? Yeah, look, I mean, that's one of the benefits of having built something before and, you know, been reasonably successful um, is, is people are going to invest in you again. And, you know, you have a, you have a story you can share. So uh, look, we've, we've done a, a couple of rounds and, you know, in, in pretty much, in, you know, in most cases, it's people that have been involved with me or some relationship in the past. Um, my lead investor is a group called Strand, and it's you know founded by a guy named Seth Rotsky, who is you know one of my early investors in Pop Chips, and just a fantastic investor who's now built a fund, and he's really you know just an incredibly successful investor. Great, yeah. Um, 
and and you know so we've you know he's he's been terrific and we brought in a group around it and you know you know some of it's friends and family and some of it are just really you know experienced industry people and some are the you know investors that I mentioned earlier. That's great, great and a good way to do it. Yeah, it's it's one of the tougher one of the tougher things I think with folks out there is realizing that uh, it does take money to build a business and it probably is going to take more money than you think it's going to take. Um, especially when you're trying to market product through, through retail, it's just a, it's, it's not the easiest road as it were. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Capital is also in some ways sort of a blessing and a curse because, you know, at the end of the day, you got access to capital and you feel like you need to spend it. And sometimes the discipline of being just a, you know, a little bit more of a cash, you know, star startup really right. forces some, some, some good thoughtful discipline about your spending and what you're going to be doing. So believe me, I think it, I think it cuts both ways. Um, I think it can be, uh, I think it'd be incredibly helpful and feel fortunate, but at the same time you watch some of these companies that built businesses with very little capital and you right. know, they, they, they can get a spark and build, build some really compelling businesses. And we've seen some well-funded ones just run the plane right in the ground. So Exactly. Yeah, those, those exactly. Well, Keith, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time and being with us today. And I know the folks in the audience are going to get uh, um, a lot of good information out of this story. I, I, I like right rice, of course. I love pop chips. And uh, I'm looking forward to Medley. I can't wait. So, Keith, to kind of wrap things up, we, we usually uh, take the, the time to – and you've given us some great advice already. But basically, if, if you could focus – on one word or one topic that you want people to, you know, go away from the podcast and remember, what would it be? If I had to think of a word, I'd probably say passion. Um, look, hey. following your passion and getting behind building something you really believe in is just at the core, I think, of being an entrepreneur. As, as I like to say, and as I've learned, it's going to be twice as hard as you ever expected, hopefully a lot more fun at the end of the day. Um, but when it is that, that hard, that challenging, you know, it's that passion that will help you navigate the roller coaster ride. You know, there's lots of ups and downs and, you know, again, it's something I've learned firsthand and, you know, we dealt with it in pop chips and we're certainly in right races. We're building something new. And, you know, the one thing I like to, to I remind myself is, you know, buckle up. It's going to be, it's going to be quite a journey. <laughs> there, there are rough spots, but it is the passion. It's, it's not necessarily the cash payout that is, uh, is going to keep you, keep you working in there. Yeah, that's exactly right. For sure. Okay, well, you know, Keith, again, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us and talk to us about, you know, both Pop Chips and Right Rice. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing more growth at retail. And maybe we have you back on the show again and talk about how that's uh, how that's growing. If you'd like to do that, it would be great. Yeah, that'd be terrific. And look, thank, thanks for the chance to chat about my favorite subjects, letting me ramble on a bit. And uh, excited, uh, excited to see what's next for Right Rice, that's for sure. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Keith. And well, thanks to all of you for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast. The podcast was brought to you by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses, workshops, and webinars for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you'd like to know more about selling at retail, e-commerce, distributors, or how to properly price your product, check out the free webinar archive at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com, what you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands Podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.